Hello and welcome to Indians on Deck. As always, this is Matt Schlichting, joined by Brian Hemminger. Brian, how are you? I'm doing amazing. It's been an exciting week for Indians prospects. It's always excellent to be amazing, among other positive words. So I know we have a lot of questions that we gathered from the community for this week. And also, many, many Indians prospects are, I believe the phrase is, killing it? Yes, that's very true. We've had several opportunities for Indians prospects with uh, Franmil Reyes and Jose Ramirez being away from the team for a few days. And the guys that have stepped in have really performed well. Like we've had several young players jack big home runs. Like I will be talking about that as we uh, get there, but it's been a really fun week for following along with uh, top Indians prospects. And we definitely want to get to all of those players, but before we do anything else, MLB.com released their top 30 prospects list. And Brian, I think it was pretty interesting. The top 10 was basically the same as what our uh, website visitors voted on. Well, not from what we voted on, but from what it was before. Ah. there It was virtually unchanged in the top 10. It's the exact same 10 players. There was only one difference was uh, Tristan McKenzie is now the number two. And Tyler Freeman is number three. I don't think Freeman did anything wrong. It's just Tristan McKenzie looks like the real deal. He's going to be our number four starter heading into the season. So they are showing Tristan some love now that he looks like he can stay healthy. Yeah. And Freeman is still a decent ways away from the major leagues, yes. especially compared to Tristan. Mm hmm. Yeah, especially considering you know, starting rotation. Yeah, big difference. Um, yeah, the, the main changes were actually, I mean, directly outside the top 10. I mean, it is all over the place there, which is, and it's exciting. So, uh, yeah, but we can talk about that. Um, the first thing, Josh Wolf, um, he was about a fringe top 10 in the Mets system when we traded uh, Francisco Lindor to the Mets. So he was the top prospect or at least eligible prospect. I mean, I would still consider Jimenez the top prospect, even if he lost his rookie eligibility. But uh, in terms of people that still had, you know, prospect status, Josh Wolf was the top prospect return in that trade. But when they first ranked him, he was, you know, lower, like near the top 20, barely. Um, but they have now jumped him back up to number 11. So whatever it is that he's been doing in the off season or what they've been seeing out of him in training camp. They like what they see. So uh, that's pretty exciting to see uh, another prospect in that trade uh, rocketing up the rankings, but by far the biggest move, and it is a monumental move is Lenny Torres, the former uh, first round that we had out. I think he was like a compensation pick um, back in the 2018 draft. Uh, he was a competitive balance pick. Um, after he had Tommy John surgery, I mean, his prospect status tanked. You know, they just did not believe in him whatsoever. Um, back in December, when I posted my updated look at the top 30 prospects following like the, the Rule 5 draft and everything, we had Lenny Torres at number 27 in the top 30. But uh, basically what they said was he has looked phenomenal in his return to the mound, his velocity's back, 
he looks like there he's going to be able to step in and be able to be a starter again right away. You know, it looks like uh, he might be one of the few players that the pandemic was good for because it gave him a chance to get back to 100% and they might not have to, you know, have the baby gloves with him. But MLB.com, uh, MLB Pipeline is all in on Lenny Torres. Yeah, I guess that's an interesting point is that anyone who missed a significant amount of time due to injury in 2020 in the minors actually didn't, at least not anywhere near as much development relate or relative to their peers as they would normally lose in a regular season. Yeah, usually with pitchers, you miss a full season and then you are barely back the next season and you know that you don't get a lot of time like they'll be pitching you a couple innings at most at a time. So he missed the full 2019 season and then the 2020 season where he would have had, you know, the baby gloves. He just wasn't, he was just working, you know, at the the complexes. So he was just getting his work in. And now that he looks ready to go, and I'm assuming he's going to start at full season ball somewhere when th- those seasons begin, uh, they seem very high on him. Uh, he's, he's coming in at number 12 now. So he j- rocketed up 15 spots despite still not having appeared in the game. And we had a couple of newcomers sneak onto the top 30 list. And yes. I, I think they belong purely because of their names. But it's nice <laughs> that they're also good baseball players. Yes. Now, you you like this guy after we talked about him during my best of the rest. And you know what? I said he was best of the rest. And MLB Pipeline believe, b- agrees with me because uh, Brian Lavistada coming in at number 29. I think this is his first time being ranked in the top 30. Um, a converted, a converted shortstop um, that has hit at every level. They have his ETA at 2023, so two years away, 22 years old. Really strong hitting catcher. He batted a 319 over his first two pro seasons. So, uh, and those are his first two seasons as a catcher, which is unreal. And I mean, having maybe the Indians are into hyper-athletic catchers now, too. That would explain Bo, Mr. Triple's machine. I don't know. Something to yeah, keep an La- eye on. La is the only other catcher in our top 30 besides Bo Naylor, who's number four. And then our, our other man on the list, um, Indians minor leaguer and Michigan receiver from the 2000s, Junior San Quentin. Uh, Junior hasn't played at uh, in the United States yet. He's only played in the Dominican Summer League. Um, and what was funny was when he debuted in the Dominican Summer League, he was on the half Indians, half Brewers team because we only had one. In, we only had enough players. We had too many players for one team, but not enough for two full teams. So we shared a team uh, with the Brewers and he was on that team and he did very well with them. And then when they moved him over to the regular DSL Indians after uh, Gabriel Rodriguez got promoted to the United States, uh, to the AZL. Uh, Junior actually did not pit, play very well the last like few weeks of the, the DSL season. Um, no, he is a very, very powerful hitter. Uh, looks like a, a good uh, switch hitting toolsy type of shortstop, you know, just another shortstop in our crop of shortstops. So uh, just another guy to keep an eye on. I mean, he's only at number 30. So, you know, that doesn't mean uh, they think super highly of him, but he's definitely uh, somebody to keep an eye on because he was uh, one of those top international signings of that season. I think 
that year we had three that were notable signings. It was Gabriel Rodriguez, who's right now number 15, Angel Martinez, who is number 14, and San Quentin, who's number 30. And uh, Angel actually made a big move. He was, let me try to find how far he moved. Uh, he moved from number 20 to number 14. So that was a pretty big jump as well. So they, they like them some Angel Martinez. Um, a couple players that moved down, uh, Bobby Bradley. You know, they do not like Bobby Bradley, or maybe they've got prospect fatigue with him too. Uh, <laughs> he went from number 13 down to number 20. Oh, he's not a... <laughs> Putting Bobby Bradley outside the top 10 just feels like an insult for the sake of... Considering he was number three at one point, and he's just two seasons ago hit 33 home runs. Um, yeah, yeah, I know. I feel your pain. Um, Daniel Johnson, also getting some prospect fatigue, dropped from number 16 to 21. And Sam Hentges, I think, dropped from number... Or no, Scott Moss dropped uh, from 24 to 28. We had a couple guys drop off, um, like uh, draft pick uh, Miles Tolentino, uh, Nick Sandlin dropped off. Obviously, Jordan Humphreys dropped off because we let him go. So that's not a huge surprise. So those are the top 30 prospects that we have gotten from the MLB.com list. Now, you mentioned them not being so hot on Bobby Bradley anymore, but I think that's okay because Bobby Bradley's probably feeling pretty good right now based on what we've seen in yeah. spring. A couple I mean, of other guys about who him. are uh, tearing it yeah. up. We talked about Bobby mashing a home run in the last podcast. And what I did was I put together all the statistics of how every prospect has performed since the last podcast. So seven games worth of, including today's games, uh, game, um, I have seven games worth of updated statistics. So Bobby Bradley in the past week. And just um, quickly before you start, this is yes. as of Wednesday night when we record. Yes. yes. So as of March 10th. Um, Bobby Bradley in the past week has gone three for seven with two doubles, a home run, and seven RBIs. What's kind of hilarious, he's got four hits so far in spring training, all of them extra bases. He doesn't need singles. Who needs them? The, the most exciting thing, though, is even though he's batting about 333-ish, which is still good, out of his other two-thirds of at-bats that are outs, he only has two strikeouts. For a guy that strike, was striking out at 40% clip at the major league level when he debuted in a very small sample size, um, that really gets me excited. Because if he is at least making contact about every time he's up, uh, that contact's going to go very far. Yes. And I remember, quick segue, I started listening to all of the other Indians podcasts I realize now that the problem is when you listen to all of them in one sitting every week, you forget who talked about what. So either on the Selby is Godcast or Everyone Hates Cleveland, there was a discussion. I think it was I think it was Gage on Everyone Hates Cleveland brought up that uh, Bradley needs to either find a way to get on base more or just find a way to make more contact. And his initial thought was it's probably going to be well. It's going to be walks is how he's going to find his way on base often enough to stay in the lineup. And so far this spring, he's I don't know with the contact yeah, I rate think, we've been seeing. I think he's only walked once. I mean, he, it looks like he is going out there looking to hit. And even though he's being a little bit more aggressive at the plate and not taking the walks, um, it's working for him so far. So I'm not going to complain because 
yes, when you work the walks, there's going to be the benefit of you getting on base through the walk, but you're also getting into deeper counts and you're risking the strikeout. And <laughs> considering his hit strikeout history, you know, maybe he's just going, screw it. I want to get more hits and hit more dongs. So if he wants to him. hit like 320, 330, 800, fine. <laughs> I'm cool with that. I mean, considering every time that he hits it and nobody else gets to it, it's for extra bases so far. Yeah, I'll go with that too. Um, other players that have been very notable, um, Bobby Bradley is not our leading home run hitter right now because Yu Chang had a monster week, absolute monster week. He went in the past week four for eight with three home runs, including two in one game, a walk and five runs batted in. So he is my prospect of the week. So I agree with that. Well, I would say position prospect of the week. We have somebody that would be right there with him in terms of pitching. Yeah, I've I've had a lot of fun watching Chang this spring. It's sad almost at this point because I feel like he he will come back down to earth a little bit from what he's been putting up. And then I just feel like he's going to get stuck in a super sub role. Well, even then, I'm not even sure that they'll give him the super sub role because you've got... Mike Freeman, who Tito is just in love with. I mean, Mike Freeman's a nice guy. I is He is. I mean, I would love to give the opportunity to a prospect, though. Yeah. <laughs> and then you've got Ahmad Rosario, who, in my opinion, should not be the starting shortstop, but he can play outfield and at least three infield positions. So he should be the super sub right now. So, I mean, he's he's been an MLB player for three years, and he's a pretty good one. Um, so... I just don't see where Chang fits in there right now. I mean, he would he would have to keep doing what he's doing, except maybe even better, and force their hand to, to get him to get the utility spot. Because he's not taking anybody's starting spot. He's not going to be the starting shortstop. Um, and he's definitely not taking Cesar or Jose's spot either. So, yeah, I mean, he's at best, he's fighting for the super sub, and he's still competing against Rosario and Freeman for that. So, you know, I am, keep fighting, though. Keep fighting. Chang's, you know, putting up some good numbers. I am worried that the Indians are probably shopping around. And, and I'm making, this is my, like, headcanon right now, or what I, I think is probably happening. I feel like the Indians are probably shopping around Ahmed Rosario because I don't see them trading Jimenez with the way he's been playing in spring. And in general, I feel like he's probably the better shortstop long-term. Yeah. That is a. I keep hearing Rosario to the Reds because they don't really have a, a, a proven shortstop. But Brian, so they're going to trade Chang to the Reds. It's what's going to happen, and we're going to hate it. And he's going to hit three fifty, four fifty, eight thousand, and he's going to single handedly lift every citizen of Cincinnati out of poverty as a result of being traded there. And and are you saying every they're going to get an number? outer in? Are you saying every citizen of Cincinnati is in poverty? No, but the mere presence of Yu Chang and his glorious baseball skills post-Indians trade, for which we receive presumably three five ways, is... I'm just terrified they're going to trade Chang after he's having this amazing spring. Teams start calling, hey, what's with this player you can't put anywhere on your roster? Why do you have that guy? You're trying to be Detroit. Brah! And they're just going to do it. They're going to do it because we can't have fun, nice things. And I'm going to hope that they trade Rosario instead. So 
because we actually have somebody that can do exactly what Rosario is doing right now. That's <laughs> even next down on the totem pole in Ernie Clement, who's also having a pretty good spring. Yes. So, so I mean, so Clement's <laughs> playing a lot of outfield too. This is how I know I may still have some symptoms of anxiety. Delightful rant. And then you're just like, yeah, but let's just hope. Oh, yeah, I can do that. (laughs) Now, uh, other, yeah, other prospects that have played really well. Daniel Johnson. um, He's gone three for seven. He had a two home run game as well. So props to to Daniel Johnson for the past week. Really strong week after a a ho-hum, okay week last week. Then Gabriel uh, Arias, two for six with a double and uh, two RBIs. You know, nothing to scoff at. Interesting one. Uh, Andres Jimenez, who is battling for that starting shortstop role, he only went one for eight, but the one hit was an inside-the-park three-run home run. That was such a fun play. <laughs> and that was a very weird play because he hit the ins- he hit it to dead center, and it, I mean, it almost looked like uh, they caught it, but he had uh, trapped it. The, the outfielder had trapped it off the wall and uh, acted like he caught it. And he held up the ball trying to say he caught it. And Jimenez just kept running. And by the time they got it in, he had circled the bases. And then the Mariners just came off the field. Because <laughs> it was, they decided it was the end of the inning. Because that's a thing you can do in spring. Is, as yeah, a defense, they, they threw say, in the Mah. towel on the inning. They threw in the towel on the inning. So even as it went to commercial break, I was like, so was it a home run? Was it an out? But... They come back and they go, the home run stands. So I was I was happy for him. One for eight with a home run and a walk and three runs batted in. So nothing crazy. But uh, even though today he went 0 for 3, he did hit the ball pretty hard. Uh, especially one time he hit a screaming line drive towards the gap. But they were just kind of playing it that way. So they caught it. Um, he's still playing well. And he's been great defensively. Elite defensively. And I think that's actually what Tito cares more about than anything. And he is playing better defensively at short than anybody else. Which, so. that was my... Uh, I, I knew that he was a capable defender at shortstop. That's what I had heard. But it does seem like he's playing above that level even. And so if it's if he's league average and an above average defensive shortstop, beautiful. Have fun in New York, Frankie. Whatever. <laughs> now, this next part is where I get excited. We had three guys that are not known as uh, players that are going to be making uh, an appearance in the majors anytime soon, all jack home runs in about the past two or three days. Number one, Will Benson. He went one for three with a home run. Then number two was yesterday, and this was really exciting, Tyler Freeman. He came in, uh, he's only got to bat twice this week, and he got a walk, and then he jacked a mammoth two-run home run in the ninth inning the other day. So, and it was deep. So, really nice. So, it was, I believe, 4.30. So, any worries about him barely having, you know, over-the-fence power, uh, seeing him jack a 430-foot bomb gets me really excited about the, you know, improvements we keep hearing about in his power. And then today, you probably don't even know about this unless you have been all over Twitter, your favorite prospect got one at bat and he jacked an oppo home run. Bo Naylor. Mandy had to draw the X in left field. 
Yep. Yes! Left center. <laughs> we even have a hammy call for it if you get a second to to, to watch it with the, the sound on. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'll definitely... I'll, so, I will have to check it out. Yeah, he got a hold of it. It was a thing of beauty. Uh, for the week, Bo went three for seven, scored two runs with his home run. So, major props to Bo. Now, the other exciting news has been... Uh, the appearance of uh, several pitchers um, getting some one-inning bullpen spots. Um, I'd say most notably, there were three players in the past week that made their spring training debuts. Guys that are all, maybe all except one, maybe one on the forty-man roster. We had Gene Carlos Mejia step in through a one-two-three inning with two strikeouts. Then we had Eli Morgan step in and get a 1-2-3 inning with two strikeouts. Now, you know, we always hear about that he's the soft-tossing starter with good control and a great changeup. So how hard do you think he normally throws? Or, like, would you think scouting reports say? If he's a quote-unquote soft-tosser? Yes. Well, if it was 1968, I would say 85. But because it's 2020, I'm going to say 92? is quote unquote soft now. Yeah. I, I'd always heard, you know, maybe 90, 91. Um, but he was hitting 93 easily. Ugh. So that's good. You know, that's a that's one mile and off mile an hour off of what a Bieber regularly throws at. So if you're sitting yeah. So that's good. That's, that's not really soft. <laughs> that's not soft. Keep it up, Eli. Um I'm telling you, you know, this guy is under the radar. I mean, he, they added him to the 40 man for a reason. Yeah. And I am guaranteeing you this right now, even though we have a plethora of starting pitching depth in the minors, Eli Morgan is going to pitch in the major leagues this year. At some point, I'm calling it right now. He's going to force somebody's hand and he's going to leapfrog somebody for a spot start during maybe somebody gets hurt. Somebody, we had a double header or something he is going to make an appearance during this 162-game season. Now, Brian, can we really trust you when it comes to predictions about minor league pitchers in the Indian system? I did say Shane Bieber was going to be a beast back when he was still in single A. And Aaron Savali. And Aaron Savali. <laughs> and Zach Playsack. And Zach Playsack. So, I agree, based on the conversation we've just had about Morgan, we know he's a guy who already has a great changeup. We know the Indians can add velocity, and we know the Indians can also add strikeout stuff to a guy. So if he's already got a really good changeup, then... And good control. I mean, that just screams Indians pitcher, if anything, for you, right? Yep. Now, uh, the other one that made his debut was Nick Sandlin. Now, Nick Sandlin is a side armor, so knowing side armors that you typically see, um, especially, you know, after several years of... Uh, our most recent side armor that is, I'm drawing a blank for some reason. Simber. Um, yeah, Adam Simber. Um, how hard would you expect Nick Sandlin to be throwing? So, random side armor. Does his d- does he bounce his, is he a quizzing type? Does he bounce yeah, his he is not complete submarine. It's like kind of in between three quarters and side. Okay, well I'd give him 92 then. Yeah, so he came in, he pitched one inning, he did walk two guys, but he struck out two. Uh, no damage done. 96. <laughs> 96 from the side. Yeah. Did Joe Smith throw that hard at his 
peak. Do you recall? I think Joe Smith threw about 93 from what I remember, which is still good, especially considering the angle that was coming. I mean, that sounds terrifying. Um, but yeah, you got Nick Sandlin coming in there, throwing at multiple arm angles at 96 with good breaking stuff. I mean, I cannot wait to see this dude. Yeah, I have and... more thoughts on him, but I want to save it for one of our listener questions. Ooh, nice. nice. And then uh, other just a couple things to mention. Um, Kyle Nelson made another great appearance. One inning, one, two, three, two strikeouts. You're, you're hearing a, a bit of deja vu here with all these appearances from our guys getting one inning with two strikeouts. Uh, Emmanuel uh, Classe was two innings. I believe one walk and three strikeouts, 100 miles an hour consistently, which is extremely exciting. And then this one, he's not technically a prospect since he's been in the major leagues before, but as a position player, Anthony Ghost had two innings this week, no hits, no runs, no walks, three strikeouts, and he was regularly in the upper 90s near 100 miles an hour. There should be exemptions to the prospect rules for Ankeel scenarios. <laughs> and I know he's doing it in reverse, but side note, my favorite, this was back in the heyday of Sports Illustrated before it, <clears throat> but back when Rick Riley was still good and the life of Riley was the single piece of writing that I looked forward to reading every single week, along with the rest of Sports Illustrated, they had a wonderful feature when Ankeel was doing his thing that was the Ankeelometer. <laughs> It was just from <laughs> Mantle to Mendoza, and they were just charting how he was doing on his road back. Then it was just a little blurb, I think, on the scorecard at the front of the magazine every week. God, that was fun to watch. That's awesome. You could tell they had no expectation of him pulling it off. And then he started to hit, and they were like, uh, this is impossible. Which, there's more details to how he did it. But Anthony Ghost is going to be pitching at the major league level at some point. This he's year. got it. I mean, he is. I mean, he has made it like it's he's looking good. And he's a lefty. Only other thing to mention is there was one really bad performance this week. Um, Sam Henkes struggled. He had two innings pitched and he gave up four hits, three earned runs and did not walk anybody, which is good. Uh, and had one strikeout. So I, I sh you know, I always hate. Uh, hype up the when they do great. So I will mention if they uh, have a have a bad one too. Do we have two lefties who throw a hundred miles an hour trying to make the roster? Yes. What? Hen yeah, Henkis <laughs> and Ghost both at about a hundred miles an hour coming out of the pen. I have been writing this occasionally on the site, but we're gonna have the best bullpen in all of baseball this season, and I want to make sure people know I'm on the record well before the season it just, begins. It just depends if uh, Tito keeps showing uh, Oliver Perez, because <laughs> he might. Yeah, and that would torpedo the opportunity, the uh, the possibilities. I would say, because there are many. I just like we said, his contract has to be. If you do not make the major league roster, you simply become a pitching coach at that time. So I hope that's what it is. I think you had another little snippet about pitching that you wanted to touch base on. And then we're going to have a quick ad break before we go into listener questions. Nice. Um, yeah, uh, there has been a starting pitching battle right now for the number five spot. You know, there are several guys up for it, but right now it's basically a two-person battle between Logan Allen Sr. 
since we do have two Logan Allens. That's what I'm calling them, Logan Allen Sr. Uh, and Cal Quantrill, who uh, came over. They both came over in uh, trades with the San Diego Padres, uh, one in the Bauer deal, one in the Clevenger deal. Uh, Logan Allen had not pitched yet as of last week, but this past week he pitched twice, and he was sensational. In the two starts or two appearances combined, he covered five innings, gave up two hits, one earned run, no walks, eight strikeouts. Cal Quantrill, not so good. 4.1 innings pitched, seven hits, five earned runs, four walks, three strikeouts. So I would say at this current point, uh, Logan Allen Sr., commanding lead for the number five starter. If he keeps this up, he might be number four starter. That sounds like control issues for Quantrill, which I thought was not something we were worried about with him. And control was actually one of the few things that was holding Logan Allen back. And to have eight strikeouts and no walks through his first five innings. I mean, I know it's a small sample size, but that is very promising. I'm telling you right now, if he gets that um, you know, handled, he's going to be a problem. So, I mean, you got to remember, this guy was a top 50 in all of MLB prospect uh, just like a couple years ago. And then he just tanked uh, down after he made his MLB debut. I mean, that potential is still there. So if he can, it sounds like, you know, he's been doing everything right this offseason and it's paying off right now. We'll have to keep our eyes on it, and we'll definitely keep you guys updated as we move forward. So when we get back from the break, we're going to return, and we're going to answer some of your questions from Twitter, Facebook, and the rest of the internet. And we're back to answer some of your questions. We've got an excellent question here from E3 Production on Twitter, who asked, Obviously, the problem is now arising a lot sooner than expected. So many good at one position. What do we do? The options right now, it seems like the Indians are, you know, moving some of these shortstops around. Um, You're going to see some shortstops playing second base. You're going to see them playing third base. And you're going to see some of them in the outfield. Uh, We've seen Ernie Clement playing in the outfield. We've seen uh, Owen Miller play first base. We've seen... Uh, Several other shortstops play third and short and second. So there are spots for them. So it seems like they're kind of kind of play a little bit of musical chairs with these guys to keep giving them opportunities on the field. And, uh, you know, when you have guys that, you know, can play the toughest defensive position outside a catcher, um, you know, they should be able to hopefully play all these other positions as well. So, um I guess that might be part of the Indian strategy right now is, you know, just focus in on the toughest defensive position. And if they can play that, move them around if uh, there's not enough room for them. And then after that, start trading because we have a lot of shortstop prospect capital right now build up. And, you know, once you make a couple of decisions on who you think is going to make it and say that there are some other people that are still really good, see what you can get for them and then just keep building for the future. I mean, we've got one of the top minor league systems in all of baseball and it could just keep getting better and better. If we can keep turning over some of these prospects for say some, you know, top rated guys that are really far away. 
So I think that that's what the, the Indians are going to plan on doing. And, and maybe they might even bundle a couple of them together to try to get somebody, you know, at the major league level, but knowing the Indians, that does not seem like a huge, uh, possibility. Right. And this speaks to Michael Jakubic's, and I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that, Jakubic's, uh, he asked a very similar question, but more specific to Arias. He wanted to know how far away he is, but that was couched in where do we move all of the other shortstops if this guy continues to hit the ball with authority? So we're just going to have to wait. Uh, Arias and Tyler Freeman both finished 2019, I believe, at high A. So they are both in the double A, triple A territory right now already. Um, so they're not far away at all, neither of them. And they're both, you know, top six prospects uh, with Freeman number three and uh, Arias number six, at, according to MLB Pipeline. So, I mean, they're both close and um, we're going to need to make some decisions here soon. So thankfully, you know, Cesar Hernandez, we've got him for one more year. Somebody's going to have to play second base instead. Um, and I'm assuming it's going to be one of these stud shortstops just because they that's where they will find an opportunity for them. But what about Aaron Bracco? <laughs> yeah, well, Bracco's a little bit further, so you can just kind of push that off for another year, hopefully. Because <laughs> you know what? In two years, we're going to be going, what are they going to do with Bracco? Now that Tyler Freeman's playing second base and Andre Jimenez is playing short. That's going to be the question then, and they're going to have to make another tough decision. So, uh, you know, let's see how Bracco can play left field. <laughs> I guess. And that's interesting, too, because Claymo1 on Twitter asked, uh, Yu Chang, super duper first baseman? <laughs> I love me some Yu Chang, and he has been so good. But at the moment, I mean, he is utility and Right now, infield utility, and as far as I've seen, not first base. So at the moment, I'm only seeing him play third and short. So, you know, the less flexible you are, I think the less useful you are to Tito. So that is an issue as a utility player. So right now, I think his best opportunity is going to be if somebody gets hurt. He is one, so it's not like he's too short to play first. And but... he does have some pop. I just don't see him hitting enough to justify him winning the job over the usual suspects. Yeah, right now, if you had to choose between Yu Chang playing first base with zero experience or Bobby Bradley, who has spent his entire career there and Jack's home runs consistently, um, I'm going to go Bobby Bradley all day. Say, you know, knock on wood, something happens, somebody goes down. Uh, Yu Chang should be able to fill in admirably right now. I mean, he he looks ready to, to hit at the major league level. Yes. So there's some other fun questions here, Brian. Which one do you want to take? I like this one from Quincy Wheeler. One, he asks, name a prospect who no one currently expects to see in Cleveland this year who will surprise us all and make the roster at some point. So my answer, and I guess it doesn't technically count because you and I talk about him, but I think Nick Sandlin is going to pitch some serious innings, important innings for the Cleveland baseball team in the year 2021. And I haven't, you see his name thrown out there in some of the athletic articles, and he's still sort of around some of the other lists, but 
he was the next Cody Allen at one point with the way he was moving through the system. And then he got hurt and then a global pandemic happened. And now he's still Nick Sandlin throwing 96 from multiple arm slots. I'm, I'm totally with you that Nick Sandlin is going to make a contribution. And I'm going to go even more obscure. Uh, somebody who has not even appeared in spring training yet. I'd be disappointed if you didn't go obscure. Robert Broom, baby. Um, <laughs> 22 years old, throws even more sidearm than Nick Sandlin. Oh, so it's a contest now. Okay. Yeah, another okay. sidearmer. And he has put up video game numbers. Career ERA in the minor league, 0.90. He has been sensational at every level. Topped out at double A in 2019. So if you say the 2020 season, he would have moved up a level. He would have been at AAA at some point last year. So he's knocking on the door. Now, obviously, there are several guys ahead of him right now. I think that he could force their hand if he's as good at AAA as he has been everywhere else. So Robert Broom, keep that name in the back of your mind. I think at worst, he's a September call-up, but he might make it even before then if he's just destroying people at uh, AAA and say, for some reason, we've got a couple guys at the bullpen just not cutting it. And I think, you know, even though him and Sandlin are both side armors, they are different enough side armors that we could have both of them on the roster at the same time and they would still be given different looks. Broom's a little bit more closer to submarine style with Sandlin being a more traditional side armor. And I, Broom doesn't throw quite as hard as Sandlin either. So yeah, they give different looks. So you could you could follow one with the other, and I think it would really mess hitters' brains up. Uh, Glenn Longwell eighty nine asks, "Can we just give Bobby the job and not suffer through Bowers anymore?" But didn't Bowers have a really good game today? He did. He had a double and a walk and scored a run. So it was his first hit of the of the spring training. However, so I believe he's earned. A couple walks, maybe three. Um, but okay. other than that, I think he's about one for 10 overall. Um, so he has not been as good as, as Bobby Bradley, but he was respectable today. So that today was by far his best game. Oh, so here's another one that I like because I have an immediate answer. Uh, this weird, I've never heard of this. Have you heard of Chris D. Davies, Brian? Yes. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I was doing a bit. Well, he's a writer for us, isn't he? I know! That's why I was doing a bit. <laughs> well, that's why I was, I was honest. Okay, fair. So anyway, Chris wants to know, who has the best hair in the Cleveland system? Now, if this includes prospects that have made it up to the majors and are still prospect status, I'd have to say Tristan McKenzie. Thank I mean, you! It's the only answer. Yeah. I did see a picture of his hair under his hat today, yeah, and that's I the mean, coolest is, shit I've ever seen. It is wild. He looks awesome. Yeah. I mean, he is going nuts with it. Um, I mean, there's been, a, there's a couple others that have decent, but I mean, I, you know, most of these guys have hats on the whole time. So unless their hair is flowing locks, like Mike Clevenger, you're not gonna, right. Gonna see, I mean, Eli Morgan at some points had a, you know, not quite shoulder length, but a bit of a, a longer do. I don't have a whole lot of other ones that come to mind. So yeah, Tristan McKenzie by a landslide. I mean, sometimes he's rocking the fro. Sometimes he's, you know, got it in. Uh, cornrows. Some, I mean, he's, he, he does all kinds of things. He is, uh, that, that's one of the more interesting things about him is uh, all the different things he's been doing with his hair. He's just cool. 
he also put Period. on five pounds in the offseason, I believe. They, they said he was 170. So that's oh. a huge jump. That might even be 10 pounds. As long as he can still throw hard and strike yeah, guys he was, out. He was throwing a 94 today, which is pretty good. Uh, you know, I know he topped out at about 97 in his pro debut, but considering that he was down to, you know, around 90 by the time uh, he made his last start last year, you know, just coming in there out of the bullpen and throwing 94 for in a three inning relief, a long relief performance today uh, sounds good. Matt Johnson on Facebook asks, do you think Owen Miller has a chance to be up with the team in 21 as a utility player? Uh, I like Owen Miller. I mean, he's at, he's going to probably start the year at AAA and there's a possibility. The The problem is there's a lot of people in his way. So I think some people are going to have to be traded because right now you've got Rosario potentially ahead of him as a utility. You've got Freeman as a veteran ahead of him as a utility. You've got Chang ahead of him as a utility and possibly Ernie Clement ahead of him as a utility. So, you know, that's a lot of people ahead of him, but you know, he's doing his thing. I think he, as we mentioned and joked about a little bit, he got some time in at first base even. So um, he is making himself valuable by, by trying to play as many positions as he can. So keep doing your thing, Owen. And there is a possibility that he makes it to the bigs this year, but I think a lot of dominoes would have to fall first at the moment. Myers IU asks, where will Nolan Jones end up? And if not in Cleveland, when can we expect him up? I'm terrified of this question because of the implication that he may not be <laughs> in Cleveland at some point. I'm hoping it's Cleveland. It's it's tricky right now because you've got two left-handed guys competing for right field at the moment in Josh Naylor and Daniel Johnson, plus Bradley Zimmer still, you know, he's actually having an okay spring um, as another lefty that can play corner outfield as well. And then, you know, Nolan's still learning outfield as a left-handed guy that's potentially going to be playing outfield. I think the best chance for Nolan Jones to end up in Cleveland is if something happens to Jose Ramirez and he plays third base. I mean, that's honestly his best path at the moment it seems like it i do think that he makes it at some point i mean he was good at double a two years ago i mean made the futures game he spent the whole last off season at the the taxi squad getting some good experience so he's going to be at triple a to start the year but i mean if he plays really well i think he does make it at some point it's just trying to figure out where he'll get to play right now because you got one of the best players in all of baseball currently blocking him and you can't trade away or do anything with Jose because his contract is about as team friendly as you could possibly get. It's so team friendly. The Indians would look like the biggest idiots trading it. <laughs> yeah, they, they can't. It's too good. <laughs> like even Carrasco, uh, you know, he was still making in the, you know, a, more than what Jose's making. So um, you just can't do it. And Carrasco was older. So, I mean, I can at least rationalize the Carrasco trade, but you cannot rationalize trading Jose right now. You have to let him play out the rest of his contract. And as of right now, that's blocking, gonna gonna block Nolan Jones for now. I could see, I could foresee a trade package such that Nolan Jones and Ahmed Rosario go somewhere 
we would have to get something insane back to lose it would have to solve the outfield problem i'm not joking it it would have to be something that you just couldn't an offer you couldn't refuse honestly for me to allow nolan jones to be traded because he's just too good so yeah i i'm firmly against trading nolan jones right now so i'm hoping that we get to see him i'm hoping that maybe it's an outfield opportunity because I I don't want to get to see him because Jose's hurt or something. So that's that's the plan. Maybe Jose has another baby and needs a week off. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll kind of just have to wait and see. <clears throat> so Brian, do you have anything else that you would like to share with the universe before we proceed to the reading of an EE e. Gamings poem? I think we touched on everything I wanted to talk about this this podcast. Excellent. So we will talk to everyone next week as always i'm matt that's brian at this time poetry i want you to burn my spoon danny mendick shall exit i may waddle like batting gloves